0: And the DLF family of podcasts It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets The Superflexity And this is the Superflex Super Show Well the DAP Network streak ends here and now uh, Unfortunately, I, man I'm such a sucker for those streaks I remember in, what was it, 2008, 2009, something like that uh Jim Rome had the uh his streak of of guys named Rex. It just so happened. He, you know, he started off with uh you know Rex Chapman and and um it, and just kind of kept going, had a different Rex every day uh for some for over a week. And I've always just thought that was so cool. So I really wanted to do that with Adapt Network uh, just kind of have that, that streak go as long as possible But we got our wires crossed with me and uh, my my latest guest And uh, so we're going to at least have an interruption in the streak here And then we'll pick it back up um, But there's just too much going on right now This time of year is just so action-packed And it's it's amazing that there can be so much more to talk about right now than there even is in season quite honestly you know I mean the 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 procedures are really pretty straightforward pretty cut and dry in season but you know we get to the non-point scoring season and you know we're on the verge of free agency we just had the NFL scouting combine draft is in a little over a month man there's just there's there's So much more, and you know, not to mention the trades. Uh, that you know, we just saw the trade for the number one pick, DJ Moore goes to the Chicago Bears. I've got thoughts on that. Uh, number one pick goes to the Carolina Panthers. Got some thoughts on that. We just have so much going on, there's too much that we need to talk about to uh for you know for me to uh to skip an episode here and not only that I mean I'm going solo in case you haven't noticed no guests today just it's just me and you know how much I like doing solo episodes I don't know how much you like them necessarily <laughs> I mean I like I usually get pretty good feedback um but You know, a a big part of it is I love my guests. I love getting to have conversations with different people. Um, You know, we get some different ideas. uh, And, and, um, you know, sometimes you can kind of build off of that. But, man, sometimes it's nice to just instead of asking, like, what do you think about this? How do you handle this? To be able to just say, you know what, here's how this should really go. And as arrogant and conceited as that sounds, you know, just a just a quick reminder to everybody listening that you know, if you haven't heard me say this before, to me, this game, you know, the the most important thing about this game is to trust your instincts. You know, I always say go go all in on your best ideas, do the things that make the most sense to you, and the things that work for you. And I've talked about this, you know, it, 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 for me, the quarterback position is so important when it comes to fantasy football that even in one quarterback leagues, I can acknowledge to you that late round quarterback has been, you know, kind of the, the, the standard for a long, long time. Now it's made the most sense in one quarterback. The pendulum's kind of swinging the other way a little bit at the moment, but it's going to come back. And that's going to be the preferred method, uh, you know, in, in uh, one quarterback leagues, um, particularly in redraft. But you know, even in dynasty, it's really kind of the same concept. And so when people ask me questions about one quarterback leagues and they're asking me, you know, what do, what should I do at quarterback? Who should I go after? You know, I always, I always give kind of the canned answer, which is, yeah, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, you know. You're first of all, you know, they're all gonna score pretty similarly. None of them is gonna, you know, they're not gonna make or break you. And not only that, I mean, you know, if you're if you're having a tough time with your quarterback, if you've got Russell Wilson having just the the nightmare season in 2022, or you know, you've got Tua or Dak Prescott, you know, somebody missing time with an injury. I mean, you just go to waivers. There's somebody available. That's not the case in Superflex, but in one quarterback leagues, that's you know you can absolutely just stream using the waiver wire. So, uh, you know, I I, I kind of give that answer, but a lot of times I'm thinking to myself, man, if if it was me, I would move heaven and earth to make sure that I've got a quarterback that I feel good about. Because even in redraft leagues, I've really kind of seen this. I I've I've experienced this at this point that it's just it's it's crucial for me to have quarterbacks who to have elite level quarterbacks I can't win in any forget the settings I can't win at fantasy football without a good quarterback I have to have that at all times so (laughs) you know it's and, and it makes me really kind of, uh, you know, extra Like I really kind of turn up the scrutiny When it comes to, to the quarterback position because of that And, you know, that's just, that's what works for me You know, I'm not, that's why I don't like to push it on other people necessarily I mean, quarterback extreme kind of comes from that um, that concept, but you know, you can even you can still mas- massage quarterback extreme. That might be something worth talking about today as well. But you know, you can you can really kind of change the your approach based on your tolerance for poor quarterback play. <laughs> but for me, I just I can't take it. I can't stand it to a point where I you know I'm done with Lamar Jackson. I just I I just don't feel like he's. You know, he gets credit for being elite, but on a weekly basis, we don't necessarily see that. We definitely, you know, you get the rushing, the rushing floor. It amounts to probably 50 to 70 yards a game. That's, that's pretty solid. All that really does as far as his scoring floor for us is kind of, is keeps him from scoring, you know, single digits on those weeks where he doesn't get into the end zone. And when his passing volume is low, you know, so we get 13 points where anybody else has the type of game that he had without the rushing would have had, would have given you, you know, eight points, nine points, something like that. So, but that's still not good enough. That's not what I'm looking for. Give me, I I need guys who are going to consistently get me somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 points. And if that's not you, Lamar Jackson, which I've seen that it's not, then I have no interest. And I'm done acting like I'm done talking about him as an elite-level quarterback. Because I've just seen too much evidence to the contrary. So anyways, just to say, you know, it, you you go all in on your best ideas. You, you do the things that make the most sense to you. And... You know that's that's kind of one of the the you know kind of one of the concepts for me that that drives this whole thing, and I really like to just be able to you know get on here and and just kind of talk about the things that that I'm thinking about, the things that are making sense for me, the things that I think that you're kind of looking at, and the things that you're kind of going through. Um, you know, as as a looking at it less through the lens of a fantasy football player or you know analyst and more through the lens of as a fantasy player you know what are the type of things that that we need to think about this time of year what are the type of things that we need to look at what are the moves that we need to make and it's it's just sometimes it is kind of nice to be able to get on here and just you know not not ask the questions just kind of speak truth to power on some of this stuff like Lamar Jackson not being an elite level quarterback um and and you know so we've got a lot of stuff that we can talk about kind of in that same vein i do want to talk a little bit about quarterback extreme uh you know for one thing i think that i have a lot of newer listeners who aren't totally sure what we're talking about when we start talking about quarterback extreme and the super flex flywheel you know we really kind of um we 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 just kind of gloss over it you know it just kind of comes up in conversation and we just just throw it out there and I think there are a lot of people like okay what the hell is that like you can kind of you can kind of get the the just from context you can kind of you know, make some assumptions. Uh, But I think that it might be useful to just kind of lay out what is quarterback extreme? What is the Superflex flywheel? How does everything work together? So that's something we're talking about. Um, I also have some, we've got new uh, Superflex ADP at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. It's the first one that includes 2023 rookies, like the actual players. I don't have ADP just yet, for rookie picks. I'd really love to get to that if possible. I just don't know if there's going to be time. We're just running too many mocks right now. Um and not not only that. I mean, so so we got started late on the February mark, mock drafts to create the February ADP um because of the MFL rollover long story. I won't I you know, I won't drag you into the weeds on that. But And, you know, bore you with the details, but essentially we got started very late in February. Had to just roll right into March. As soon as the February mocks ended, we started on the the mocks for March. It's just been nonstop just to create that ADP that you find at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. So super important that we stay on top of that. But it really has kind of prevented me from being able to do those those mocks that I usually like to do that include rookie picks, just so we can see the difference. Because we know, deep down we know that there's a difference between 101 and B. John Robinson. There has to be. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of thinking that that difference is that Bijan Robinson is worth more than rookie pick 101, which... I you know I still disagree with that as good as I think Bijan Robinson is, and as much as I think he's probably the slam dunk one oh one there's still there there's still things that could happen that prevent Bijan Robinson from uh, becoming that top pick, right We hate to say it because it, you know first of all, knock on wood that he's able to that he gets there and becomes a pro without any issues. The other the, the the problem for me, and uh, you know, I think I've talked about this before, um, so feel free to skip ahead if I'm being redundant. But there are some landing spots for Bijan Robinson that wouldn't be great. Actually, don't skip ahead because I'm going to throw some numbers at you here. Because I I got into a little bit of a discussion with somebody on Twitter a while back about. Uh, 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 about B. John Robinson's landing spots. I had tweeted, you know, here are the landing spots that we actually want. And, you know, it's Carolina, it's Atlanta, it's Tampa Bay, Minnesota. I would love to see him in Minnesota. Like, just, uh, you know, let let Dalvin Cook walk, let Alexander Madison walk, just clear the deck and start over with Bijan Robinson to go from Adrian Peterson to Dalvin Cook to Bijan Robinson would just be insane. Uh, you know, it, it, Dallas is another great one. Go from Ezekiel Elliott to B. John Robinson, you know, kind of it's it's you know, that's it. That's an incredibly uh, an incredible lineage of uh of stud running backs. So, yeah, that's the type of landing spot that we want. Those are both offenses. It's like you've got good quarterbacks you've got great wide receivers but this offense can run through the running back it can start with the run you want to establish the run and even more than that the quarterback is not taking away you know carries from your from that stud running back so in in and, and you know somebody was trying to a Philadelphia Eagles fan was trying to make the case for Bijan Robinson to the Philadelphia Eagles because if every mock draft you see, he's going to one of three spots. He's going to the Philadelphia Eagles, and most people are pretty set on that one. He's going to the Buffalo Bills at the end of the first round, and he's or he's going to uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And I've actually I, I haven't seen any mocks to say this, but I've seen um, I've heard people say. Uh, you know that the New England Patriots could be a good landing spot for him and to me all four of those spots are absolute garbage and here's why it, it you know it's it, somebody made the argument that you want pieces of an elite offense and so putting Bijan Robinson on an elite offense couldn't possibly be a bad thing right you put him in Philadelphia put him in Buffalo those are great offenses well, here's so here's what we're actually after, right? Uh, we're trying to find running back one overall. Somebody who can be the running back one overall for a season. Bijan Robinson, talent-wise, is already there. Right? He's got the ability to give you that type of season. But he needs his offense to get out of the damn way. And here's what I mean. So I looked at the last 10 years worth of uh running back one overall seasons out of the in the last ten years, two of them have been quote um, have come from quote unquote elite offenses, like top five scoring offenses. as Alvin Kamara in 2020, when the Saints were number five overall with four hundred eighty two points scored and 2017 when Todd Gurley was uh, with the Rams, um in that offense was number one overall with 478 points scored for the season. So um that was also the season, by the way, that uh the the lowest uh average of the lowest average total score um for an NFL team. Uh, the so the average was four hundred and fifty-one points scored among the top five offenses in the league. <sighs> It's so weird. For, like I'm, I'm never totally sure how to frame this stuff because I don't talk numbers very often. <laughs> but I want to do it today. I, you know, I did some research and I looked into this. Uh, and yeah, so in 2017, the Rams score 478 points. The average among the top five was 451. That's the only time that. The the offense with the running back one overall for fantasy outscored the league average, uh, the, the top five league average. The only other time that they were close was Alvin Kamara, New Orleans Saints, fifth best offense in the league with 482 points. Um, top five average was 495 points. So... Basically, that average, that top five average, that tells you what it looks like to be an elite offense, right? And in most of these cases, so Austin Eckler this season, running back one overall in PPR fantasy points, the the Chargers were ranked 13th with 391 points. The lowest, by the way, was uh, so well Devonta Freeman. Uh, back in 2015, he was, uh, he was running back one overall. The, that Atlanta Falcons offense was 21st with 339 points. But Christian McCaffrey was a really interesting one to me in 2019. 340 points for the team, uh, which was 20th overall. More than 100, po- 100 points worse than the average among the top five. And Christian McCaffrey had one of the best fantasy seasons ever. <laughs> when that happened. so it, like we're we're just already seeing that you don't want a running back. You're you know you don't want your top running back. You don't want Bijan Robinson to be on a quote unquote elite offense because that means he's giving up volume to the passing game and possibly to you know other pieces of the running game. You know we're we're and I can go into this a lot more. I've got a lot more into this. Um, you know, one piece, one thing to kind of keep in mind too is, you know, the how good is the offense without that player? <laughs> That's kind of a piece that we that we need to consider uh, at some point as well. And and I do have research on that. I just don't want to spend this entire episode just talking about this. Um, you know, just just looking at a spreadsheet and, uh, and, you know, telling you what I found, like, who am I, Peter Howard? I don't, I, I don't, that's not me. <laughs> that's not what I do. So, but anyways, there are some numbers here to support the idea that you want Bijan Robinson on an offense that is going to run through him. You don't want this offense, the, the offense that he's on to start with Jalen Hurts. You don't want it to start with Josh Allen. You want him to be the focal point of this offense. And we've got proof of concept here. So, anyways, the the question becomes from there, if 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 we can all agree to that, that you don't want B. John Robinson going to the Philadelphia Eagles. The question becomes if he does, what does that mean for us? If he goes to the Buffalo Bills are we going to knock him down? And I mean the answer is probably no, but man, that's it I I think that you got to at least start thinking about it. If you're at the 101, you need quarterbacks. I mean, to me, you should either be looking to trade 101 or trade other pieces of your roster to get uh, to get quarterbacks so that you can uh, you can justify taking Bijan John Robinson at 101. You know, that right now you should be looking for some some quarterbacks so that when the time comes, you don't have to wonder, should I be taking C.J. Stroud? Should I be taking Bryce Young? Should I be taking Anthony Richardson? Don't take Anthony Richardson first, by the way. Please don't. I know he had a great combine. Bryce Young didn't even did nothing at the combine other than show up and let him weigh him. And that didn't go great, but I mean, it's not like he it, he wasn't on the field. You didn't get to see what he's all about. You did get to see what CJ Stroud is all about. And the guy is a robot. He throws absolute lasers right on time, right on target, every single time he can make every throw at every level. Question is mobility all you want, but the guy is just a machine, just surgically accurate. So, and and we saw the difference between him and Anthony Richardson, and that's important. Yeah, at some point, Anthony Richardson is going to have the upside that Jalen Hurts just had this season, or that Lamar Jackson had in, what, 2018, 2019 Whatever it was when he was a MVP quarterback, one overall, yeah, whatever. Like he'll have that season. That's fine. This is dynasty. We need somebody who's going to anchor us for for the long haul. We don't need just that just one season. Catch him on that season and redraft and clean up. But when it comes to dynasty, we need somebody with a more sustainable style of play meaning somebody who is comfortable standing in the pocket and making the throws it's kind of looking like anthony richardson could go to the indianapolis colts that would make the most sense i mean you know shane shane steichen i need to i need i should really learn that name it's a off season for us too um but you know he just he just came from a system where he had Jalen Hurts and he almost led him to an MVP. He almost he led them to the Super Bowl. Almost won the Super Bowl. I, that's kind of what Shane Streichen is going to be looking for. And you know if he has the opportunity, if he has some some say in that decision, you know Anthony Richardson makes a ton of sense for him and his system. That's the way you, that you start winning right away. But what you want what you really kind of want especially for us for fantasy purposes, we want a quarterback in Indianapolis who's going to stand in the pocket and throw the ball to uh to Michael Pittman. We want a guy we want a quarterback who's going to, you know, when he's in when he's in trouble and the coverage is is strong, you want somebody who's just gonna check down to Jonathan Taylor. You know, we don't want somebody who's just gonna take off and run. We don't we want somebody who's gonna utilize the weapons that they have. So yeah, if for me, Anthony Richardson is in Indianapolis is not a good thing. But that's that's you know, just kind of in general, that's not it, it's gonna give us some upside and f- for fantasy purposes at some point, but just uh, just give me a long term floor. Give me Trevor Lawrence. You know who I know is uh, he'll he'll run a little, but for the most part, he's gonna stand in the pocket. He's gonna get rid of the ball before he gets hit. He's gonna have a long healthy career, most likely you know and, and it's not going to be a roller coaster ride it's not going to be a bunch of ups and downs in terms of of his scoring floor it's he's just going to kind of hit this baseline and just stay there and you know that baseline is going to be pretty high by the way he's still going to settle in as kind of a top 5 type of guy Bryce Young and CJ Stroud both have that same skill set They're going to just settle in as pocket passers, and they're just going to get better and better at it. And the mobility is not going to matter. It's just not. You know, we don't really even need that for Superflex. We know that it's a little bit of a, you know, a quote-unquote cheat code, as the cliche goes. We know that for fantasy purposes to have that rushing upside. But again, if you can't count on that every single season for the long term, then what good does that really do you in in a dynasty format? So, anyways, yeah. If if you're all the way back to the point, Bijan Robinson, if he lands in a bad spot, you don't you don't have quarterback figured out. You haven't been able to find a trade back that makes sense where you're getting full value. I mean, at some point, it's gonna at least cross your mind. To consider a quarterback With that first overall pick In your super flex rookie drafts, One of those two guys I mean it it, kind of looks like C.J. Stroud possibly to Carolina I still think Bryce Young is the better player But it sure seemed like Carolina was pretty impressed By C.J. Stroud And then that means Bryce Young going second overall to Houston With eh, Slightly better weapons It's not saying much they're going to build it up around those two guys either way. So, you know, one of those two guys just kind of settles in as the as the QB1 out of this rookie class. Uh, and, you know, at some point you're going to consider them over B. John Robinson. And it's going to make it that much tougher if B. John Robinson does go to one of those bad spots. Situations can change, but if he goes to Philadelphia... I'm going to have a really hard time Continuing to tell you that he's just a slam dunk rubber stamp 1.01 in your rookie drafts I can say that he is right now All I'm saying, and I'm not saying that I'll I'll necessarily come off of that All I'm telling you is that there's a path for that to happen (laughs) For him to not be that anymore So... Yeah. uh, Man, I don't even remember how I started off on B. John Robinson. This is another one of those times where I just kind of I just I I started talking myself down a hallway and took way too many turns. And now I don't know how to get back out. Um, So here's one one thing that I do want to do, though, because like I said, to me, what I really like to do is to be able to talk about, you know, some of the stuff that's been on my mind. Um, some of the stuff that I've been dealing with, but also kind of get you guys' thoughts. See what's going on with you, some of the things that you're dealing with and some of the things that you're thinking about. And um, to be able to just kind of talk through it, I don't have to share the mic with anybody uh, because I'm a little bit too uh, too bullheaded when it comes to that. I I really just kind of like to to bloviate a little bit. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of what we're going to do. Um, but I always get such amazing questions from my super flex, super friends, always feel free to DM me, uh, always feel free to tweet at me. Um, yeah, just, uh, just, just let me know if you've got thoughts, you've got problems, you've got questions, you've got answers. I'll take those too. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't ever hesitate to do that. Um, I love to hear from my super friends and like I said to me this is this is stuff that you know it's it's easy to kind of get lost in the process the quote unquote process as an analyst and you just kind of get sucked into this this you know this vacuum of of buy and sell and you know look for this and do that and you know consider this data point and you you know, and and it becomes just this very formulaic thing where we're just kind of saying, all right, so now do this. All right, now do that. And then you, you know, you hear that on our on a podcast. You hear, oh, now you're going to go trade for this player. Now you're going to go sell this player. You know, you you hear that on a podcast and then you go into your leagues and try and do it. And you're like, wait, why doesn't this work? I was told, I listened to the Superflex dude on the Superflex Super Show and heard him to say, you know, you know, go buy Trevor Lawrence. Well, I went to the 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 guy who has the person who has Trevor Lawrence in my league and they won't give him up for anything. You know, he, he, they won't even take Pat Mahomes for Trevor Lawrence straight up. They won't even do that. That happens all the time, you know. I I mean, even for me, my my process has to be. It just necessarily has to be very different from one league to the next. And so, if that's the case for me, if I can't make blanket statements about how I'm going to manage my leagues, there's no way that you're gonna have the same have the ability to just kind of just formulaic just do the same thing in every single league right so it's it to me it's pretty important to kind of tap into what does it actually look like in the streets you know what are people actually dealing with what are people actually thinking about so I get such good questions from from people and and just really appreciate it. Um, but you know, I also think that this is a type of stuff that could very, very easily apply to others. You know, I could analyze ADP data for you here and just kind of tell you what it means. But again, we're kind of making a blanket statement that shouldn't necessarily apply. There should be, you know, we, uh, I, like, it's kind of like, that's an ideal situation, Right. But that's not necessarily going to happen in every single case, in every single league. So anyways, let me answer some questions here. And, and like I said, I, I love these questions because they're thought-provoking. Um, they kind of step outside of just basic process. And they're, it's very possible that you're dealing with the same thing or the same type of thing in your own league. So uh, my man Kevin on Twitter asked me, um, so he said, uh, I've got Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence in a Superflex 12-team league. No other quarterbacks of note. I've got Teddy Bridgewater, Carson Wentz. Those aren't starters. I don't even call those quarterbacks. I've mentioned this before. If, if, if they're not a starting NFL quarterback, which these guys are not anymore— Uh, including Carson Wentz. He's not going to be an NFL starter anywhere. He's looking for a backup job at this point. I don't consider him a quarterback because when I'm talking about roster build and I say this is how many quarterbacks I want, I'm talking about guys who are going to actually start, who are going to actually play. Because otherwise, I don't feel like I really... If I've got Carson Wentz on my roster, I don't feel like I really have anything. So... Anyways, he says I also have. Uh, oh wait, let's see. Uh, I hold the rookie pick one hundred and two and one hundred and three this year, which we already talked about. That looks like Bijan Robinson goes one on one hundred and one. So one hundred and two and one hundred and three, you're looking at the two best quarterbacks. And in fact, even though I say CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are kind of the top 2 quarterbacks. It definitely makes sense to consider you know a high floor guy like Young or Stroud and then a high upside guy like Richardson. That that's where it makes some sense to reach a little bit for Richardson when you're you know you're going to get some upside um you know a little bit of upside from you know, whoever you take first, whether it's Young or Stroud, you're going to get some upside. But the big appeal of those guys is going to be the floor. They're going to just settle in as, you know, very good, very solid, very consistent pocket passing quarterbacks for the most part. So. Yeah, it could actually make sense to take Anthony Richardson with one of those picks as well. Um, So he says, how would you approach this draft? Again, we've got Fields, we've got Lawrence, and now we've got two picks that are pretty locked in on quarterbacks. Uh, He said, my thought is to draft a quarterback with one and trade the other, but maybe it makes more sense to trade both and fill out the roster. I also have picks 202, 204, 212, 302, 303 in terms of meaningful picks. Uh, that i could use to get a mid-range quarterback fill- in so um man to me this is a v- this is a very interesting situation to be in it's uh it's it's an enviable situation in my opinion um, because there are kind of a lot of different ways you could go with this you know i think that you probably could get a pretty good return for for rookie pick 103. Um, I don't I don't think I would want to trade 102 for a couple of different reasons. Um, first of all, I, w- I would l- really like to be the one to make the decision between the quarterbacks. You know, if, if Anthony Richardson gets weeded back out of this, if he doesn't go as early as we think he will, he ends up doing a Malik Willis fall to day two, you know, third round, you know, something like that, then... All of a sudden, I'm you know we're not even considering him anymore. He got drafted to be a backup, not a starter. so we're not considering him at that point. Even if he goes late in the first round, it's going to be tough to keep him in the conversation with Young and Stroud. So in that situation, you know, if we're down to two quarterbacks, I want to be the one to make the decision between the two. Obviously you could get a greater return for 103. But it's worth it to me to give up that, you know, the, that difference in the margins in order to be the one to make the decision of which quarterback I want. The other thing about it is, I mean, again, what happens if something happens that pushes Bijan Robinson out of, you know, that locked in one on one territory? I don't think that he gets pushed completely out of one-on-one. I don't see a situation where you do that. Even if he goes to Philadelphia, you still have to consider him there. Even if he goes to Buffalo, you still have to consider him there. You know, um, If he goes to Indianapolis, all of a sudden, <laughs> maybe that's the scenario where we consider pushing him out of one-on-one because he's going to be in a timeshare with Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> like That's the type of situation that i think you know probably changes things but they have way too many holes starting at quarterback they're not taking Bijan Robinson so anyways you know i, I most likely he's locked in at, at 101 but what if he doesn't what if something does happen that kind of that puts a little bit of a question mark on him at 101 and we're we see his ADP drop below One, you know, it's still going to be one in a fraction, one in a decimal, because he's still going to go one, he's, he's going to go first overall in more leagues than not. But we could see a situation where it's like, you know, two out of three leagues, he goes first overall and the other ones he's going second. You know, if we see a situation like that, and this ends up being one of those leagues, where Bijan Robinson falls to that second pick, you want to be able to take him. So, to me, if you're going to trade one of those picks, I think it's rookie pick 103. I think there's just a little bit there. There are too many outs for 102 um, to move off of that one. Um, I think that my stronger preference would probably be to trade Justin Fields. And that's going to be a little bit hot takey, especially now. I mean, he does get a bump because he just got DJ Moore. But, I, you know, I to me, that's part of the reason to do it, by the way. <laughs> I think that the fact that, you know, all of a sudden his value does increase because he's got a bona fide wide receiver one, you know, that, that's kind of that sell window that that we are always kind of in pursuit of. And, you know, one of the less obvious ones that could actually exist. So I would consider that move. I would consider trading Justin Fields. I think you can probably get a quarterback in return, um, you know, a a lower level, you know, kind of backup type quarterback for you. Um, Maybe somebody with a, a little less uh you know you're going to get you first of all you're going to get this these players you know this player plus something um so you know maybe that's where you consider an in a Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or you know possibly Matthew Stafford I don't know I I'm having a hard time with Stafford just because you know it, it, it he's coming back but man the Rams don't seem to want him <laughs> And that's a big-time red flag. So, but, you know, kind of some of those guys who are going to give you um, a little bit more floor, a little bit more upside in in year one uh, of, uh, you know, in 2023. And then so that you're not counting on the rookies that you took at 102 and 103 just yet. And, you know, you can, you can use them for some spot starts. They're going to be good for some spot starts. But I don't think you want to count on them every single week. We've just seen it way too often that it, it really kind of takes that first year for rookie quarterbacks to really kind of settle in. You know, by year two, you can start to trust them on a weekly basis. And, and honestly, a lot of times what we're seeing is kind of halfway through year two. Is when you start to count on these guys That's right around when Trevor Lawrence um, You know, finally broke out Justin Fields really broke out Kind of right in the middle of year two So, you know, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson Those guys broke out right at the beginning of year one But generally, I don't think you want to count on that Or year two, I'm sorry Right at the beginning of year two Kind of want to be, you want uh, about a season and a half of a solid floor type of guy. Maybe a Kirk Cousins. That could be a good one as well. You know, give me that type of guy um, for the next year and a half. And then, you know, then you can transition to one or both of those rookies um, as part of your rotation along with Trevor Lawrence. So I think that you get the greatest return. For Justin Fields. I think that this is the kind of the sell window for Justin Fields. The big thing to me is, you know, regardless of what we've seen in the NFL so far, we know that both Bryce Young and C and CJ Stroud have been better prospects than, than Justin Fields ever was. And you know, normally I like to—I mean, I think that we all feel more comfortable when we get proof of concept, when we see what they're about in the NFL. And what we saw from Justin Fields is a ton of rushing ability and a willingness to take off and run that they're going to have to try and coach out of him. Uh, ultimately, they they what they really want is for him to—and what we really want is for him to settle in as a pocket passer. Is that going to happen? that's the big question that's the risk and to me you know this is this was really kind of part of his rookie profile as well it was the you know the passing is is you know kind of middle of the road it can be developed but it's not it will be developed it's it can be developed we still don't know if they're going to be able to develop him, him as a passer we know that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud come into this league as proficient passers. And that's what makes them better prospects. So, you know, I, I think that we just go off of, at least my plan, is going to be to go off of the analysis that I've had all along of these guys. Bryce Young ha- has the same type of pedigree as Trevor Lawrence. And Andrew Luck before them. He was that type of blue chip prospect coming out of high school. He played that way all through college. Now he enters the league as that same type of player. He's done nothing but, you know, win games and throw the ball, you know, perfectly in every, you know, at every level in every zone of the field. Like this is nothing has changed as far as that goes. And C.J. Stroud is close behind. He wasn't the, the he wasn't as highly recruited as Bryce Young, but he was close. And I mean, he's been just as good every step of the way in his time at Ohio State. So, you know, to me, you you want the guys who are the better prospects who are less um, there's less risk of them not being able to be coached into a, a you know a, a situation where they're they're going to be reliable for you for fantasy purposes for dynasty purposes. I think you want those two guys. And so I think you take advantage of the fact that you can you can tear down from Justin Fields and you can probably get another quality starter at a position of need alongside whoever it is, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you know, whoever you pick out of that kind of that range that group, Jared Goff, you know whoever you take out of that range and again we're only looking for a year and a half from that player and then yeah i think that you're going to get a pretty big plus added on as well so i think that would be my approach kevin but yeah i mean it, yeah i think that you could trade a pick i would i would want at least one of those picks personally i would want to keep at least one of them and the beauty of this draft class is you know, you've got three picks in the second round and two picks in the early third. And that's going to give you quite... It's going to give you a, a, a great opportunity to add some depth, particularly a running back. This is such a deep running back class. And people are still going to kind of gravitate towards quarterbacks and wide receivers for the most part just because, um, you know, we know how important quarterbacks are. We've seen how important court, uh, wide receivers can be for fantasy purposes. The last couple of years, wide receivers have really kind of reigned supreme. And you know, so people are really kind of chasing what we've had the last couple of years. You know, first Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, and now you know Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and and Drake London. People are going to be chasing that again. And it's going to push some running backs into the second and even into the third round that I think are going to give you some startable weeks at some point. Every single one of them at some point. There are also some really good tight ends in this class as well. So, you know, if you need tight ends, there are some opportunities to take some high upside guys. And if you don't need tight ends but other people do, it's just pushes running backs even farther to you so um that's that's my thought I wouldn't I don't think I would worry too too much about uh you know filling out the rest of the roster by using the those quarterback and rookie pick values necessarily I think you can I think and like I said 103 would be the one that I'd move if I was going to do it but to me if if you don't want to carry four quarterbacks some people don't <laughs> most people don't <laughs> and it's totally it's totally fine you don't have to um quarterback extreme is the way that i win but it doesn't it's not the only way to win so you know if you don't want four four young quarterbacks to me the first one that i would try to trade is Justin Fields so, but thank you for that question, Kevin. That, uh, as a, to me, that's a super important one. And like I said, I think a lot of people are probably dealing with, uh, Thomas asked me, he said, I know you hate rookie talk. <laughs> you, know, you know me way too well, my friend. Um, I, I, yeah, I say it just about every episode, don't I? I? I don't like talking about rookies, but I know you guys like talking about rookies. Um, I'm having a lot more fun talking about rookies this year than I normally do. And I'm not, you know, I'm not getting nearly as frustrated with rookie fever as I typically do. And in fact, I'm even kind of joining in a little bit on the madness. You know, I've gotten into several debates because I still think that I think that Jackson Smith Najigbo is Jackson Smith Najigbo. Sorry. I can never say that name right, but I think he's going to be a superstar. If I can just learn how to say his name, he's going to be he's going to be great. I think that he's the best prospect at wide receiver that we've seen since since Jamar Chase. Now, this isn't a great rookie class for wide receivers, but I think that you know it's it's and it's not super deep either. But I do think that. You're getting a better prospect with Jackson Smith and Ajigba than you were than you got last year with any of those guys. I think JSN would have been the the wide receiver one in last year's class. So, you know, so I and I've been saying stuff like that. I've been saying I'd rather have Jackson Smith and Ajigba right now than Garrett Wilson. I loved Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson was my wide receiver one last year. I still just think that JSN is better. So, yeah, I've I've kind of been getting into the rookie talk. Um, it's not quite as taboo around here as it normally is. Um, but I still make sure to point out that the one thing that we're missing is information. And that's really kind of what we need to go off of when it comes to the, the rookies. Because like I said earlier, you know, a lot of people are kind of moving Anthony Richardson up right now. After the week he had at the Combine... There are a lot of people that want to make him quarterback one for fantasy purposes. There are even some people calling him quarterback one overall. Rookie pick 101 in the NFL draft. People think that Carolina traded up to take Anthony Richardson. People honestly believe that, or at least say it. I mean, you don't have to believe everything you say on Twitter, that's for sure. But they're definitely saying it. That they think Anthony Richardson goes first overall to Carolina. You know it, it, that's it, it. Again, it's based off of one week where he was run. He didn't have pads on. He was wearing spandex. Didn't have a defense in front of him. You know, it's just run and jump and and throw. And his throwing was better than we thought it would be, but still not to the level of CJ Stroud. And if Bryce Young had thrown, you would have seen a very, very obvious difference between those two as well. So, you know, we're we're just kind of going off of this speculation... And it's very emotion-based. <laughs> it's kind of, man, Anthony Richardson is such a fun story. It's so cool to see him come in and just dominate the combine. I want him to be the best rookie in this class. I want him to go first overall to Carolina. I want him to be the first quarterback drafted in my super flex rookie draft. It's, that's emotion-based. It's not based off of anything solid. Like the combine doesn't have an effect on what type of player they are when they get to the NFL. We can kind of project, you know, we can figure out comps. But I mean, you still ask any, you know, data-driven analyst, what type of things do, the, do you look at when you're looking at prospects? And they're going to tell you it's theme, things like breakout age, it's college dominator, They want stuff like that. They don't care about what happened at the Combine. It definitely helps if you can run fast. It really helps if you can, uh, you know, you do well in the versatility testing or the the agility testing. I'm sorry. You know, like that stuff all looks great, but it starts with what did you do in college? What did you do in college? Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud were significantly better than Anthony Richardson. Anyways, like this is what makes it tough to talk about rookies, is the fact that there's so much pseudo-anal- eh, pseudo-analysis going into it right now, so much emotion going into it, so much fandom going into it, not enough concrete evidence, and we're not going to have that until the NFL draft. That's when the NFL tells us what they really think about these players, and that's when we'll have the information to make these these decisions so as fun as it is to talk about rookies, it's all just pure speculation it's pure conjecture, and I don't know how useful that is <laughs> so just just so everybody has that context uh, behind what Thomas is asking so yeah i don't I don't like rookie pick. Uh, rookie talk um, I can definitely tolerate it a lot better now uh, this year than in previous years and I'm enjoying it more it's just nice to talk about a rookie class that's got some some you know trans some transformative players for our fantasy rosters for our dynasty rosters at the quarterback position and in the, the running back position we just haven't had a whole lot of that I, we certainly didn't have any quarterbacks last year. We didn't know for sure what we had at running back at the time. But man, it's it's just so it's it is just kind of a it's refreshing to talk about this rookie class. So I kind of like doing it. So, anyways, I, Thomas says, "I know you hate talk rookie talk, but how about a comparison of the twenty three class versus a twenty four class?" trading 23 picks for 24 picks what range would you give up for a random 24 I really love this question this is super important and and the problem is I mean I do have to give you a little bit of an I don't know <laughs> because I'm I'm not a not a big Devy guy I kind of picks up stuff up along the way um, but I'm not very familiar yet with the 24 class I know that we've got I, I to me it looks Really, pretty similar to this class to 2023. You know, um, you've got some very good quarterbacks coming in. I think that, you know, name, image, likeness, and a very loose transfer portal. I think that that's really kind of incentivized, you know, underclassmen staying in school rather than declaring early for the NFL draft. All of a sudden, you can make money, you can transfer wherever you're wanted. You know, without any issues whatsoever, you just go, you know, you're Caleb Williams and and you just go from a school where you're not really playing all that much to, you know, you just go over to USC and just tear things up. You know, there's there's a lot more incentive for these players to stay in school. And that's kind of it, it created a little bit of a bottleneck, but it's finally starting to catch up where these players are. It's like, all right, now it's time. To move on to the pros. Last year we had, you know, we we really just kind of had some players who were draft eligible but not ready to give up the you know the comfort, (laughs) the cushy situation that they had, and then we ended up losing some of those guys as prospects, (laughs) by the way. Um, But yeah, you know, we're finally starting to uh, get some guys just joining the NFL, you know, just kind of, yeah, graduated, no more eligibility, time to move on. And we're getting a pretty solid influx of quarterbacks every year, basically from now on, it seems like. And next year, I think, is going to be a continuation of that. You're getting some very good quarterbacks, kind of starting with Caleb Williams. Uh, But, you know, it looks like, at least at the moment, Guys like Drake May and Quinn Ewers, those guys are also going to be draft eligible. Whether or not they come out, it's a little hard to say. Um, and, you know, who knows what kind of prospects they are by the time the, uh, you know, the, uh, the you know this time next year. We'll see what type of prospects we've got. But uh, it, so it looks very similar at quarterback. I think you've got better passers this year but I think you probably have better fantasy scorers coming next year. Uh, You know, higher upside type of guys. I think um, the running back position, obviously, you don't have a B. John Robinson coming, and it probably won't be quite as deep. That's at least my theory. Um, And who knows, by the time, you know, this time next year, again, we might have some new information, and it might turn into a pretty deep class. Right at the moment, though, I think it looks a little bit more like 2022, where not as deep. You don't have that one, you know, quote-unquote generational guy. But you do have, you know, some some very, very good players coming in, some Brees Hall-quality guys coming in with guys like Travion Henderson and, uh, you know, Nick Singleton, guys like that. There, and there's a few of them. So it, it probably won't be as deep as this year's class um, and it won't be quite as top heavy without a B. John Robinson, but it's still going to be a very good class of running backs. The wide receivers kind of look pretty similar to this year's class uh, where you've got, you know, again, not a whole lot of depth, but you've got some good fantasy starters coming in and you're probably going to have one or two just absolute superstars coming in. And then the tight end position doesn't look quite as deep as this year's class, but it does. I, I do think that we've got the best prospect since Kyle Pitts coming in Brock Bowers. So, just to kind of, you know, if you put these two classes up against each other, basically what we're looking at is 2023 has, you know, the stud running back, the one on one running back that we love to get when we can. It's probably slightly better quarterbacks at the top, but next year's class could very easily be deeper at quarterback. Um, Wide receiver um, looks uh, really just pretty similar to me. I think it's just kind of straight across. And then, uh, you know, tight end, you know, depends on, on what you value. Depth versus you know, upside. Um, but yeah, I mean they they really look overall pretty similar to me. Um again, I think just in uh some spots uh 2023 is a little bit deeper, and then it also has just kind of some a little bit more talent at the very top of the more the more important positions, uh quarterback and running back. So in terms of where would I trade? I, you know, I think it kind of depends on my roster construction. Um, you know, my my intentions for uh, for twenty twenty three. It also is going to depend a little bit on you know how the how your specific league's draft is going to go. Um, you know, I I so what I would say is that most likely I'm not going to be trading. A 2023 first for a 2024 first, just yet. I need to see how, you know, I might do it when it's on the clock, and in those cases, you know. So I think that I'm what I'm probably looking for is, you know, it's if it's a rebuild roster, or you know, even a productive struggle type roster. A roster you're not going to be competitive this year, and you have already. Kind of accepted that and started guiding your roster in that direction towards a rebuild year. Like you, if you wanted to guide your team to one hundred and one, kind of like we did in twenty twenty two, guided our rosters to the to the top pick in Bijan Robinson. If you wanted to do that, I think twenty twenty four is a, a twenty twenty three is another good year to do it. Twenty twenty four is going to be another good year to be at the top of that draft. So. Uh, you know, I think it's a viable strategy. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what you should do, but if you've already kind of considered that, I mean, here this is just confirmation that it's a viable path to take. And if you're going to do that, you know, first of all, I think that you really kind of focus on quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, focus on and and you know what, Bijan Robinson can make some sense for. One of those rebuild type of rosters, especially if you've got a taxi squad that you can stash him on, because we know that he's it's very unlikely he's going to have his best season as a pro as a rookie. That almost never happens. Happen for Saquon Barkley, that's about it. You almost never see that. So, you know, so it's not like you're missing out on you know, his absolute best season, you know, if if you stash him as a rookie on taxi. So, like, that's still something that you can consider doing, and then you're going to get some quarterback depth, um, you know, either between now and next year's rookie, class, rec, rookie draft, or you can even just take, you know, wait and take some rookie quarterbacks next year, to kind of add to your rotation. And then like we were saying earlier, you know, just just kind of go cheap with some bridge guys. Kind of the exact same way the NFL does it. Just bridge from some, some older, cheaper quarterbacks to your incoming rookies. You can do that next year as well. So, you know, like that's the type of roster that I think, and even then, you know, there there there's still a few wide receivers I would like to take to kind of build around. I definitely want JSN. Uh, I think that he can be a foundational player for you for many years to come. So I think he really kind of helps a rebuild. I think that, you know, Jordan Addison very well could be as well. And, you know, I, I... I personally kind of like Zay Flowers. I think that he could be. But there are a lot of these guys. Quentin Johnston and, you know, Josh Downs. (laughs) I really like Kayshawn Booty. But, man, like, does that guy give a shit about anything? I kind of don't think so. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like he's just over it. (laughs) Like, he's just kind of, he's like Grumpy Cat. Just kind of done with everything and everybody and i just i i can't bring myself to continue to 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 push him at all like it, he he should have been you know that alpha x receiver that jamar chase coming in and he's just he's looking like uh, like laquan treadwell at this point just kind of yeah big talented but slow <laughs> and just kind of uh, i i mean i i just i just don't see anybody willing to make a sizable investment indication on booty at this point because i mean he just looks like that you know the the typical wide receiver diva that that they're just going to get sick of before they get anything out of him so you, you know we've got a, a lot of these guys who it's like yeah they're they're interesting, but I don't know that I want to necessarily, you know, try and rebuild around them. And if those guys go fairly early, you know, the the guys that I am interested in, and you can you create your own rankings, create your own tiers and go off of that, but for me, you know, if I've got a later pick in the first round on a rebuild roster, it's a roster that I haven't been able to, to rebuild it. You know, my, maybe my league isn't very active in trading. And so I haven't been able to kind of build it into a, a, you know, a contender right away. Then I think my move is, is going to be to, you know, if those wide receivers don't make it to me and it's, I'm kind of looking at a bunch of running backs, I'm probably going to trade out. So you know I, I don't I don't know if there's a, an exact cutoff for me. It's more about who's available versus what do I need. If you have any intention of of competing this year, I think you stay put. I think you keep your picks and uh, you know, I think that you because this is such a deep running back class that I think you want to tap into that. You want as many of those guys as you can and you you know you just kind of build up the running back position take advantage of the depth of this class but if you are going to try and rebuild and the wide receivers that you want to build around aren't there then i think it could be as early as you know kind of 108 109 is where you could start looking to trade out i mean i do think that you need to get more than just a 2024 first if you're going to do that to me, any, any first round pick in 2023 should be worth more than every pick in 20, any, every pick in 2024. So I think you should get more, but it doesn't have to be a lot. You can be a lot more judicious, you know, you can, you can, you can really kind of say, uh, Yeah, I, you know, this, this draft class isn't making a whole lot of sense to me in this range. So I, I'm, I'm definitely willing to trade out, you know, get a 2024 first. Um, and, you know, add a little bit on top and, and I'll trade out and wait till next year. You can do that. I, you know, I, to me, I think that's probably. Uh, the the range where I would give up on the rookie class, just kind of knowing, you know, what ADP looks like right now. I think you you still have some wide receivers available to you through you know 107, maybe even 108. But if they go earlier than that, I think you could consider it. Um, yeah, if if they're gone by the time it gets to you, yeah, feel free to move out. Uh, man, that was a kind of disjointed answer to that. I hope it made sense. Um, cause that was a great question from Thomas. I really appreciate that one as well. Um, and again, one that I think a lot of people are probably kind of wondering about, you know, when does it make sense to make a pick? When does it make it make sense to trade out? How good is 2024 versus 2023? And I you know I think that we we do run into this every single year where next year's class looks better than this year's class. Like that's that's something that we kind of tell ourselves every year. And then when next year's class gets here, we're going to say, "Oh, actually that wasn't as good, but man, just wait until 2025." So, you know, it's it's there's there's definitely some value in trading out if it makes sense for your roster. But, you know, I I, I would definitely caution anybody from trading out of twenty twenty three for twenty twenty four simply because, you know, some analysts somewhere are telling you that twenty twenty four is going to be better than twenty twenty three. You know, I I just I I I just don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case. I think it can make sense for your roster to make that move, but I don't think that it makes sense in terms of you know talent coming in next year versus this year. Um, George asked a question as well. He said, "What is an ideal wide receiver room and quarterback extreme? Um, I mean rankings ranges." Um, averages on your quarterback extreme teams. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate this one as well. And like I said, I mean, I kind of wanted to talk about quarterback extreme, kind of lay it out. Um, I'm going to have to do a quick because, uh, and the super flex flywheel, by the way, I'm going to have to do a quick because I've already taken way too much of your time. Um, but basically, so quarterback extreme has always really kind of been, Quarterbacks, early quarterbacks often is kind of the easy way to say it, you know, and and we really kind of want like for me, the number is five. I want five quarterbacks because first of all, it means that I can keep a quarterback at the super flex position at all times. Which, you know, we just had Dynasty Outhouse on. He was talking about how he won a championship with one quarterback, and it wasn't a very good quarterback. Maybe Daniel Jones, something like that. And he he put other positions at the super flex position. You can win that way for a year. But, man, like, it's going to be exhausting to try and figure out how to do that every single year. Ultimately, the the easy thing to do for every one of your positions is to just go ahead and take care of quarterback just just fix it right up front you know you've got trade value you've got scoring you've you've got baseline scoring you know every single week because you've got a quarterback scoring you know 15 plus points at both quarterback and Superflex positions, you know, it, it's just the the more that you can ensure that you've got a quarterback at Superflex, the easier time you're going to have managing your roster and making lineup decisions. Now, the other benefit to me for having that many quarterbacks is the ability to stream within your roster. You know, I've, I've kind of taken a look at you know, just what happens on a week-to-week basis. And I've said this before. I don't, I don't like averages. I know that a lot of times it's easier to look at a player's points per game versus their total scoring. Because total scoring just kind of favors the players who stayed healthy all season. You know, um, po- where points per game kind of tells you the story of, all right, so he wasn't healthy all season. But here's what it looked like when he was healthy. And that is kind of more useful to us, but it's still imperfect. And the reason for that being it doesn't really show and Lamar Jackson to not to keep hammering on the guy, but this is really kind of a, a great example of this. Lamar Jackson had those, you know, a very good game in week one, two monster games in weeks two and three. And then was below average the rest of the season. And it, his points per game look great. But you take away those two games, so you won those uh, those first three games. You won those first three games pretty decisively because of him. You got three wins. All right, well, the rest of the season, though, was a freaking struggle because of him. Because of his low floor. And his inability to get you to even 20 points, which you got from Daniel Jones, you know, on a fairly consistent basis, you were getting 20 points from Daniel Jones. But you couldn't get that from Lamar Jackson. So you know it it just it it shows you that points per game is like that's it's still not telling the whole story of what happened every single week and what actually happens every single week is you know this is it's really fairly predictable you run into a good offense you know a, a good quarterback a, a good defense I'm sorry so a good quarterback runs into a good defense and a not as good quarterback gets to play the Detroit lions (laughs) and you know the the quarterback playing the lions is generally gonna outscore the you know the the stud playing against the I don't know who's who is a good defense I mean the Eagles really had a pretty good defense Dallas had a decent defense New England New England always has a good defense Keeps people scoring pretty low. Denver had a good defense. You know, you have a good court. Like, you have, you, Pat Mahomes is a bad example because you don't bench Pat Mahomes, but he's had some kind of rough games against Denver the last few years. So, you know, you get, you see, Pat Mahomes is going up against Denver. You know, it lowers his floor a little bit, certainly caps his ceiling pretty low. And then you see, you know, I've I and now I've got I also have Daniel Jones. Let's let's stick with him. He's going up against Detroit. Their defense has been horrible. <laughs> Plus their offense is really good and making us throw a lot. So, you know, it, it got a really good matchup here. Or Minnesota. Minnesota's a might even be a better example because it's such an explosive offense and that defense has just been trash for the last couple of years. <laughs> you you get Daniel Jones going up against Minnesota. You've to me uh, this is this is where people get tripped up a lot. People have a hard time going this far with me, but you considered benching Mahomes for Daniel Jones and again, you never bench Pat Mahomes, but just in this hypothetical. You consider benching your stud quarterback, your elite quarterback in a bad matchup. For your, nah, meh quarterback, you know, your quarterback four, quarterback five even, consider starting that guy because he's in a great matchup. And it works out for you more times than not, honestly. You know, and even if you don't get it right, it's not like you get it really, really wrong. (laughs) You're not going to miss out on a monster game from Pat Mahomes against Denver, you know, just because you benched him for Daniel Jones in a shootout against Minnesota. Like, that's it's not going to lose you games, and more times than not, it's going to give you the ability to score um, enough from the quarterback positions to kind of hide some blemishes throughout the rest of your lineup. So that's that's quarterback extreme, and what that kind of leads into is the super flex flywheel, as I like to call it, which is the four different positions – the four different components of this of this machine and the input that they're putting into the flywheel and, you know, the way that the flywheel kind of stores it and then disperses it where it needs it. So the input for the quarterbacks is a scoring, right? I, I mean, there's value too, but like, let's just talk about scoring for a minute. The fact that we know that they're going to get you 20 points, but you also have an opportunity here for a, you know, by having a fourth quarterback who you could potentially start when he's in a great matchup, I mean, that can be a 20-point swing for you. That's a whole other starter. And so when you input that, that scoring potential into the flywheel, all of a sudden, you know, you don't have to have as good of running backs. You don't have to have as good of wide receivers. Because you've got a twenty-point cushion that you can work with, you know. So, so like that's that's kind of the way this thing works. Like I said, it's, it's kind of like a flywheel a little bit, where the 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 energy comes in from different components and then is just kind of stored there and then just kind of dispersed wherever it needs to go. Kind of you know the running backs. It's it's a huge advantage for you if you've got startable running backs who are you know who who are going to give you I don't know double digits every every single week the problem is there aren't very many of them that are going to do it every single week they have a hard time staying healthy they have a hard time keeping their jobs they have a hard time avoiding running back by committee type of situations and so you need a lot of them they kind of come in waves you know you get the guys at the beginning of the season who are playing great and then they kind of they either get hurt or they just kind of drop off a little bit, you know, after a few weeks and then somebody else comes along, you know, kind of a little bit later in the season, um, you know, after a few weeks you get you, uh, um, Tyler Algier kind of comes along, you know, Ramondre Stevenson kind of turned it on. Jamal Williams really kind of came along um, a couple weeks into the season. Is kind of part of the second wave. I mean, Josh Jacobs really didn't get started until you know week five or six. He was fine, but he really took off a few weeks into the season. And then you know, as the season goes along, this happens more and more. We kind of we move on to the next wave. Again, Tyler Algier is a kind of good example of this. Um, Latavius Murray at the end of the season. You know guys like that you just kind of you just kind of move along linearly to from one running back to the next but you need a lot of them to be able to do that. Like zero running back is like a it's it's kind of on the right track. It just doesn't solve the problem of what do we do in that first wave? The first wave is the guys that you know are going to be the starters you know we're going to be the workhorses, ideally. It's the Jonathan Taylors, it's the, you know, it's Ben, the Dalvin Cooks, and the Ezekiel Elliott's, and the, you know, Joe Mixon's of the world, uh, Derek Henry. Like, a lot of those guys, we're going to kind of lose some of those guys. Uh, but it's that type of player. You know, now Brees Hall, now Bijan John Robinson, now Kenneth Walker. Uh, you know, those are going to be the type of guys that are going to be first wave running backs for us. They're gonna give us that, uh, you know, they're gonna help raise our scoring ceiling every single week because they're gonna have that lead back role in even kind of a work horse and maybe even a bell cow type of role. But then we need those zero RB guys for the second, third, fourth, however many waves we get throughout the season. We need those guys. We need Samaj P. Ryan at the end of the season. We need, you know, we need those guys later in the season to kind of take over for us when we lose the scoring from those first wave guys. It takes an army of them to a point where a lot of my rosters are like half running backs. (laughs) It's depending on the size of the, of the roster a lot of times it's going to be close to 50% running backs. And honestly, it's going to be probably like three to one, four to one, even running backs versus wide receivers. So let me move to the wide receiver position in this flywheel. Their input is, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a super high scoring ceiling. Typically, most of them don't have a very high ceiling. And you know, it, it, it kind of depends on how do you define the ceiling? Like are we talking about what's their potential for one week or what is the what's the number that they could reasonably hit, you know on a somewhat regular basis? And none of them have a real high, Floor is or high ceiling as far as you know what's actually realistic for this player. Jamar Chase scored 60 points in week 17, week 16, whatever it was, uh, two years ago, won a bunch of fantasy championships for people. I'm not calling that his ceiling because he's never done that again and he probably never will. So so you know let's let's not give him too much credit for that. Let's not assume that that's going to ever happen again. And let's not call that his ceiling. So you know the ceiling is more like you know if if this guy gets into the end zone a couple times and goes for, you know, 150 200 yards um, you know, that's that's the type of ceiling that we're looking for. And most of these wide receiver, the wide receiver one guys, they all have that. They all have that. But they're also, you know, they're going to give you probably half of the time, they're going to give you a wide receiver one type a week. The other half of the time, they're going to be outside of that. They're going to just kind of bounce around between wide receiver one, wide receiver three. Like they're just going to be kind of all over the place throughout the course of the season. You're going to look back on it at the end of the season. And you're going to say in terms of total scoring, in terms of points per game, he was top five, he was top 10, but you look at his game logs and he was just as, he was just as inconsistent as anybody else. Justin Jefferson kind of seems to be the exception to this, but Anyways, I, you know, based on that, we also, what we're also kind of realizing is that wide receivers are not really, it, it, not really matchup dependent. If they're going to do it, if they're going to be good, they're going to do it either way, kind of regardless of the matchup. You know, it's not, it, first of all, it's not really up to them. It's about the matchup for the quarterback more than the matchup for the wide receiver, but, you know, if they can overcome the matchup, you know, they'll they'll do it. They're, Jalen Ramsey isn't going to shut someone down. Pastor Tan isn't going to shut someone down. Sauce Gardner isn't going to shut someone down. Not entirely. You know, so they can still get to their floor in those bad matchups. And so for that reason, there's a huge benefit to us, for us, to just kind of set it and forget it at wide receiver. There's no real reason to bench a healthy wide receiver. And if we don't have to bench them, their contribution to the flywheel is we get to just kind of set it and forget it. So we don't need depth behind them. Not much. I mean, we know that, and they don't get, they also don't get injured at nearly the rate that running backs do, by the way. But, you know, if we know that they're, uh, you know, they're, they've are they got the same floor and the same ceiling basically every single week. They've got the same, it's the same coin toss. Are you going to be a wide receiver one or are you going to be a wide receiver three this week? There's just kind of no reason to bench them. You just set it and forget it. And then the only time that you need to replace these guys is on their bye weeks. So... You know, you need a little bit of depth just to make sure you've got bye weeks covered. But if you're starting two wide receivers, if I'm starting two wide receivers, I want four wide receivers on my roster. I might have another one on taxi. I don't want them to take up a bunch of room. But if I've got a taxi squad, I'll taxi some rookie wide receivers just to kind of just to farm them a little bit, you know. But generally speaking like this is the big contribution is they're they're so solid that and they're so predictable that and and they're all so similar that you don't need a bunch of depth like you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of dynasty rosters with just a ton of wide receivers and you get down to you know some of the guys you get down to the van jeffersons of the world and you're like all right so show me the the weeks where you started van jefferson and they're like well i never did i'm just okay so why is he taking up space on your roster then especially when you know that you need more running backs like you know what's the point of rostering him so anyways i'm i'm going way too long with this and I apologize but to answer your question George I mean to me I the ideal wide receiver room is one for each starting spot and one backup for each of them it kind of depends on the roster size um, as well so you know if it's a start three wide receiver but we only have what you know 22 roster spots 24 roster spots then I'm probably not going to back all three of them up. I'm probably not going to carry six because that's just too big of a chunk of my roster. I really just kind of need, I need that space for, kind of for quarterbacks and really for running backs. So, it, yeah, that, that's it, it, in terms of kind of ranges. So I, I this is there's a lot of shared wisdom to this. First of all. Um, Scott Connor always uh, talks about wide receiver thresholds and I believe for him, it's kind of wide receiver, like top 40 wide receivers. And then just to borrow a little bit more wisdom from another source, Peter Howard, uh, talks about how, you know, wide receivers really kind of settle into a range and they don't really move, you know, as long as they're, you know, like while they're in their prime, once they've kind of broken out, whatever level they broke out to, they just kind of stay there, you know. So we know that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown, Ceedee Lamb, like these guys are just gonna stay high-end wide receiver ones. They like they might drop as far as like low-end wide receiver one, but you know they're 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 gonna stay in that wide receiver one range. They're not gonna fall out of that. Uh, Until they get old (laughs) or if, if they suffer an injury. Um, So, you know, kind of back to what Scott's saying to, to apply the uh, you know, the, the fact that these wide receivers are going to kind of stay where they're at. You know, if you, if you're looking for top 40 type of wide receivers, like Scott Connor is, you're really just kind of saying that like these 40 wide receivers are likely going to stay in that range. You know, I'm not. I don't necessarily need to fish for somebody to, you know, to make a jump from wide receiver 60 all the way up to wide receiver 40. Like that happens sometimes, but it's just so much easier to just to just focus on those guys with kind of that top 40 range. And then, you know, like I'm really looking forward to an episode with Scott. Um, I haven't even scheduled it with him yet. Uh, so I have no idea if that's if he's even gonna have time. i know how busy he is, but uh you know it at some point him and i are gonna get to talk a little bit more and and we'll see if if there's kind of been some refinement to uh to his strategy at all to his portfolio type strategy um and you know specifically the wide receiver position. but the way i understood it was. You know, once you achieve that, you get the number of wide receivers that you want. So for me, if I'm starting two wide receivers, and and regardless of flex, because the flex positions, I'd really like to get running backs there, and I'd like to get tight ends there if there's a tight end premium. I don't want wide receivers in my flex spots. Like to me, that that just lowers my scoring upside. So I I you know running backs have more upside so I want more of them at flex as much as I can. I want as many running backs in my lineup as I can get. So, you know, if if we're starting two wide receivers, I want four of them. I want four total. And I want four guys inside the top 40. Well, let's say that you end up with one inside the top 5, one inside the top 12, one inside the top 24, And one inside the top 35. Now you want to upgrade that one, that wide receiver 35. You want to upgrade him. And now you're going to kind of squeeze that universe and say, all right, so now I want all four of my guys to be top 30. And once you achieve that, now you say, all right, now I want to upgrade it and get all my guys inside the top 20. Just keep going. Until you've got just kind of the best possible collection of wide receivers because they're easy to upgrade. They're cheap to upgrade. They they just they're all so similar in their scoring, in their ceiling, their floor, the just everything about it. The only thing that the only thing that differentiates the wide receivers is their names and their name value. And that can make it a little tough to upgrade, you know, too far but you can certainly get it to a point where you've got four you know top 16 type wide receivers and if you get to that point I mean then you can consider flexing one or two of them if you're you know if you're struggling to find running backs for the week but (laughs) like it feels like a waste to have two top 16 wide receivers on your bench but I mean, that's just kind of, that's, that's where they're the most valuable at that point. If you've managed to get it to that position that, you know, they're, that's where they give you the most value. So we did get to kind of talk about quarterback extreme. We did kind of get to talk about the super flex flywheel. This went way longer than I intended. Um, but we got to a lot of very important things and got to answer some questions and, uh, talk about some stuff that's on, uh, on you guys' minds. So George, I want to thank you for the question as well. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you guys for, uh, for your questions and, um, just for kind of driving this conversation a little bit. So, um, very, very good. Uh, a lot more, a lot more content than I expected going into an unplanned solo episode. Um, and like I said, it went a lot longer than I intended. So I apologize to y'all for that. So I'm just going to wrap this up real quick, just kind of where we're at just abruptly. Um, so yeah, let's wrap it up for the week. Subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already rate and review the show, if you haven't already, that helps me to get out to more people and, uh, involve, involve more people in the conversation and then you know, we get an episode like this where I can really kind of zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, my super friends. Uh, also make sure to subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, the mega feed, so you get access to the super show and all of the great podcasts the DLF has to offer. Uh, I am on Twitter as Dude. I hate Twitter. I'm going to stop saying, uh, <laughs> stop talking about Twitter at some point. I don't think that it should be our primary tool as far as uh, sharing ideas for fantasy football purposes. But for the moment, that's kind of the best we have. So I am on Twitter, as Superflix Dude. Always happy to answer DMs, um, talk through some things. Uh, always uh, retweet trade polls when I get sent those. Always happy to do that stuff. So uh, don't, please don't hesitate. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Catulus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.